Wow, what a great video, right? I think that that really captures the reality of moms just about everywhere, especially during these days. Uh, And the thing about moms, you guys are just amazing. You just keep going and going and going and giving and giving and giving, giving of your entire person and every last ounce of sanity and strength. Um, So for my part, just thank you, moms, for doing all that you do and being all that you are. Um, That's why we certainly need to take at least one day uh, and honor you and and give you gifts because of all the gifts you give to all of us uh, every day, all year long, no matter what. There's no off days for moms, and uh, we just really appreciate you. I hope that you enjoyed that video. Um, I am so grateful for Leanne and the mom that she is to my children and and the, the character that she exhibits. She is truly someone who gives of herself, and I was certainly blessed to have a mom that did that for me, and she certainly exemplified what it is to be a, a giving person and a true servant. And I want to share with you something that she did by way of a gift. Uh, she gave this gift to Leanne uh, as part of her wedding present to Leanne. And this is just about the most special, amazing gift that, that we could have received and uh, it's hanging up usually in our bedroom, and it's just a constant reminder of the heart that my mom had. And uh, hopefully I can get through this without too much difficulty. Uh, I miss my mom very much, and this just captures her essence. But I want to share it with you because it shows the kind of giving heart uh, that not just my mom had, but that every mom who truly understands what it is to be connected to Christ should have. Uh, It it captures the essence of what it means to be a a giving person and a giving mother. And so here's what it is. It's this beautiful framed um, background where it has uh, a cast of my handprint. Uh, And I think I was maybe four or five years old, something like that. And she writes uh, surrounding that, that print. Uh, here's what she says. Dear Leanne, this print of Chris's hands I give to you today. I've watched these hands from a tiny baby grow into a man meant for you. I've watched these hands be playful, kind, loving, generous, and reach to God in prayer. These hands are a very special part of Ed and me, but I place these hands in yours to walk through life. Hold tight, love, and grow old together. These hands I held for so long are precious to me, but I give them to you because you have become precious as well. I love you and count it a privilege to have you as my daughter. Love, Donna. And that was my mom's heart. She just constantly gave of herself and held nothing back. And as precious as that statement was, and as precious as the act that it represented was of her giving her little boy to Leanne, um, she gave me away a lot sooner than my wedding day or leading up to that. My mom and dad wanted to have children for a long time before they did, after they got married. And 
when it became apparent that they were not going to be able to biologically, the next thought was, okay, let's adopt. And even that was just uh, not happening, closed door after closed door. Long story short, they were able to adopt me. And I'm so thankful that God ordained that and orchestrated that. And what my mom did very early on and just consistently through all of my childhood and all of my years there with her and my dad in in their home, she always modeled and challenged me with the importance of remembering and understanding that whatever we get in our lives, whether that's relationships or uh, privileges or possessions or responsibilities, that it all comes from God as gifts from him, that he's the ultimate gift giver. And she just really stressed that to me and then exemplified that in her own life. And she told me many, many times, Chris, I want you to know, as much as I love you, God loves you more. And even though you're my son, and and I know that he gave you to me, uh, I've had to give you back to him. And I do that with joy because I know that he's going to do what he wants with you and it's going to be the best. It's going to be far better than what I could do for you. And so she just had that mindset and and exemplified that and stressed the importance of giving what you love to God and trusting him with it and realizing that you're always going to be better off giving yourself and, and everything in your life to him because he's a far better source to hold on to all that than anyone else could be. So she gave me to God um, many times all throughout uh, her her time of raising me and being my mom. And I think of other mothers uh, throughout history and, and other mothers that I've observed that do the same thing. And, and those people that do that and that kind of mindset it lines right up with with scripture and with godly women throughout the bible i think of hannah uh, with samuel you know this this poor woman was mocked by the other wife in the picture and um, always just made fun of because of the fact that she didn't have any children she was barren and and this other wife uh, that alcana had had plenty of children and and so she used that as a source to uh, just really criticize hannah and hannah was just discouraged and depressed and bitter and and heartbroken that she couldn't have children. And so she cried out to God, please, God, just bless me with a a child. Bless me with a son, please. And he heard her cry and, and he gave her Samuel. And before she became pregnant with Samuel, she told the Lord, if you do this for me, if you will bless my heart with a child, with a son, I promise, I vow to you, God, that that when he is older, I'll give him back to you and he will stay in your service all the days of his life. I will set him apart to you. I won't hold on tightly to him. I'll give him back to you, God. And sure enough, that's what she did. After she had Samuel and after he was weaned, she brought him to the, the, the tabernacle, the temple, and left him there. I mean, and she just left him and went back and only saw him once a year after that incredible, an incredible statement and example and pattern of what it means to understand all I have is from God and all of it really belongs to him. And if I want what I hold precious to stay precious and to be taken care of and to reach its full potential, whatever that may be, I've got to give that to God. And that includes my own child. And that's certainly what I appreciate about 
my mom and what I saw with her. What my mom understood and, and what so many of you understand and, and show us by way of example is that the greatest gift a mother can give her child is to give them back to God. That's the greatest gift any mom could ever give to their child. And, and you, you moms give a lot of great gifts to us, um, but the greatest gift that we could ever receive is is to have a mom who gives us back to God. And every parent, moms, dads, every godly parent wants to see God at work in and through their their children. I know that that's true of you moms and dads. I mean, if if you have a relationship with God, you're going to want to see your children have a relationship with them, and you're going to want to see him be at work in their lives and through their lives. But here's the thing, getting to see that, that privilege, getting to see God at work in and through our kids starts with us surrendering them to him. If you want to see God at work in and through your child's life, and, and I think most of you do, if not all of you, it starts by surrendering them to God. And I know how hard that is. That's crazy hard. I, I really struggle with that. Uh, we have a 14-year-old now who's already talking about almost daily the fact that next year she's able to get her permit and start driving. Oh, good. Not. Terrifies me. It's really hard for me as a dad to let go. Um, but I know I need to. And, and I know that that's the best thing for my children. That's the best thing that I could do for them is to let them go to God, knowing that it's not just letting them go to, to this unknown situation or uncertain reality. By me letting them go to God, it's letting them go to the absolute constant source of certainty because that's what he is. And uh, I look back at, at Hannah, and I, I just marvel at what she was able to do. And she's not alone by any means. And in fact, there's an even greater example of, of absolute faith and of sacrifice on the part of a mom giving up her child. Uh, and that's with Jochebed. That's Moses' mom. And that's really who I want to talk about with you today. That's really what I want to have us center our time together uh, around is, is Jochebed and her incredible act of giving her precious Moses to God in an, really an even more powerful way than what Hannah did. Um, in Exodus chapter 2 is where Moses' story really begins. And leading up to that, the context surrounding his birth is that Pharaoh, who's already enslaved the Hebrews, um, decides to make sure they don't get too numerous and rise up and re- revolt and rebel. Here's my order. I want all of the Hebrew males that are born to be thrown into the Nile River. The Nile River was um, a very treacherous river. It was wide, it was broad, it was almost like a sea, and it was full of crocodiles and alligators and um, possibly even some form of a shark kind of thing. I mean, there were dangerous predators in the water. It had a lot of currents. Um, It was just, it was unstable. It was dirty. It wasn't the, the type of place you would just want to, to go and swim in for a long time. And so by him saying, throw them in the, in the river, not only would they obviously drown, but there were all kinds of, of predators there too. And so it was an absolute death sentence, obviously. That was his order. And that's the context that Moses is born into. So 
If you have your copy of God's Word open or your phone with that uh, app ready, Exodus chapter 2 is where I want to take us. Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And remember what I just said about the greatest gift a mother can, can give her child being the fact that they give them back to God and, and that getting to see God at work in and through your child, your kids, it starts with surrendering them to him. Keep that in mind as we go forward with this. So Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. Now a man from the family of Levi married a Levite woman. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was beautiful, and really that means healthy, or also it can imply uh, distinction, unique, something special that stood out about Moses. Uh, We're not sure exactly what was meant, but the the word there used, the Hebrew word, um, points to health and, and distinctiveness. So when she saw that he was that way, she hid him for three months. Remember, there's this edict, this, this command from Pharaoh. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with asphalt and pitch. She placed the child in it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. Here's faith in God, powerful, amazing faith in God on display and and the power and the plan of God at work. Because remember where she's she's placing her baby. She's she's placing him out of her arms, out of her safety, really into the unknown. I mean, she's still putting him in the reeds at the Nile, uh, which is an incredibly dangerous place for her baby to be. And she's just really letting him go. She doesn't know how it's going to end up. I mean, she put him in this basket to provide some protection, uh, and certainly it would float and it would keep water from coming in. That's why she sealed it with the asphalt and the pitch. But there's still a lot of uncertainty there. I mean, who knows, from her perspective, what could actually happen? So there's an incredible exercise of faith uh, in in God uh, and in his power. And we also see the power and the plan of God at work because God is going to use the same dangerous river intended by Pharaoh to cause death to actually save Moses' life. And that points us to a constant reality, a constant truth, and that's that God is always able uh, to take the enemy's plans, turn them around on him, um, use them to accomplish his own perfect plan. God does that all the time, and it's beautiful, and it's great. And certainly that's what's happening here, because behind Pharaoh's decision and his decree, I believe, is an obvious satanic strategy to not just do away with the nation of Israel, but bigger than that, and through that, actually go ahead and try to thwart God's plan of the coming Messiah, the Redeemer, Uh, That was prophesied all the way back in Genesis 3. And Satan knows that God's going to do that. He's going to send a Messiah. He's going to send a Redeemer to remedy the situation that Satan really caused to happen. So Satan wants to do all he can to try to keep that from happening, to cut off that line. And I see that that's really what's happening behind Pharaoh. But here it is, God taking the enemy's plans, turning it around and using it instead to accomplish his own perfect plan of redemption that he's going to actually, as we know, use Moses in a huge way to accomplish for the nation of Israel. And because God does that, that's why we are 
always the safest when we are truly trusting God fully and when we are fully surrendered to his perfect will. We'll always be the safest when we, when we do that, when we step into that. And the same goes for our loved ones. The same goes for our children. They will always be the safest, not when we hold them tightly and don't let them go, but when we let go to God, when we give them to God and surrender, they will always be in the safest possible place in their life. Well, back with this account, in Exodus 2, verse 4, after uh, Moses' mother does that, she, she places him in the basket and the reeds, and she leaves him. Verse 4 says, Then his sister, Miriam, stood at a distance in order to see what would happen to him. Verse 5, Pharaoh's daughter went down to bathe at the Nile while her servant girls walked along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds, sent her slave girl, took it, opened it, and saw him, the child, saw Moses, and there he was, a little boy, crying. She felt sorry for him and said, this is one of the Hebrew boys. She knew what her father's edict was. She knew all about that command, which makes it even more significant that she had pity and compassion on this obviously Hebrew child. She didn't react toward him with the same hatred and, and condemnation that her father Uh, had and insisted on. Verse 7, then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, should I go and call a Hebrew woman who is nursing to nurse the boy for you? Go, Pharaoh's daughter told her. So the girl went and called the boy's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child and nurse him for me and I will pay your wages. So the woman took the boy and nursed him. Wow. This is just incredible. So here's Jochebed. She, she gives Moses away, ultimately to God. She trusts his safety, his life, his future, everything about him. She trusts him to God. Uh, says, I, I can't keep him safe. Uh, I'm, I'm not able to really provide the safety he needs. God, you're the only one who can. I'm going to give him to you, and I'm going to also give his future to you. I'm going to trust that you're going to do great things through him because there's something special about this child. I just know it. Uh, that's what's wrapped up, remember, in that word beautiful that was describing Moses. There's something unique. There's something that I just feel you're going to do through him, and so I'm going to give him to you, and I'm going to give him to that plan, whatever it may be. So she does that. God honors that step of faith. God honors that surrender and lets him come back to her. And, he, and she's even getting paid to take care of her own child. What she did with Miriam and what she did with Aaron, she's now going to do with Moses. She's going to nurse him and she's going to start the, the raising of her child and she's going to get paid to do it by the princess of Egypt, by Pharaoh's daughter, the, very, the daughter of the very king who gave the edict for all the Hebrew boys to be killed. I mean, don't you just see all of, of what God is doing here? His hands involved in shaping and molding every aspect of this situation? Uh, It reminds me of what Ephesians 3.20 says and promises for us, that God is able to do above and beyond all we ask or think. And he's always doing that. He's always able to do that, and he always will do that. He's faithful in that way. And that's certainly what I see on display here uh, with this incredible story. Verse 10, 
When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter. She was a, a woman of her word, and he became her son. He became Pharaoh's daughter's son. And she named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. And we've got to give some credit to this, this lady, this princess. Uh, I mean, she didn't have to adopt Moses, but she did. She had compassion, and she, she took this child that was not hers. She really you know, fostered him and adopted him legally. And um, I just want to give kind of a shout-out to all of you uh, foster moms out there who, who are fostering or who did foster and then went through the adoption process. I mean, you guys are amazing. Uh, there's a whole other level of stress and sacrifice that's part of that. And thank you so much for opening your heart to a child that wasn't yours biologically, but who very much became yours and who you chose to make yours. Uh, I appreciate that so much personally because that's my story. I mean, I was adopted too, and so it's, it's very precious. And so I, I have to give props to Pharaoh's daughter here. Um, and as far as Jochebed having him and, and nursing him until he was weaned, really that probably means that she kept Moses about six years most likely. Uh, in those days, the weaning process was two years at least, if not three, before a child was actually weaned completely. And then most of the time, uh, people that had other women do that for them uh, wanted them to keep them through the really terrible years, you know, the terrible twos and the terrible threes. And so usually they were five or even six before they were given back to the people that would be their parents. And that's probably what happened here. So if that's the case, these godly people of faith and the one true God in Yahweh parented Moses during his most formative years, his early uh, childhood years that are so vital and crucial to really instill truth into the child. And that reinforces the fact that we should never think that the first several years of a child's life are not important. They are. They are absolutely important. Um, goodness, I have seen so much growth and, and improvement and uh, intellectual development and even spiritual development and in all three of our children when they were four and five and six years old, most recently with Aiden, uh, it's just incredible the spiritual, spiritual sensitivity that he's developed over just the last year. And so those first several years of a child's life are so important, not just physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. Um, it's actually in those first few years that a child is actually started down the path that they will walk the rest of their life. Uh, so incredible uh, opportunities in those early years. And that's what Moses' parents had. They were able, as God-fearing, faithful Israelites, to instill in him, in his little mind, and his little heart, the truth of the one true God. And they were able to develop and mold his character that he would take back with him and that it would stay with him all those years in the palace as a true prince of Egypt. And I know that's true because of what Hebrews 11 tells us. Well, if we go forward to Hebrews chapter 11, the great hall of faith, um, Moses is listed there, but really his parents are listed there also as being heroes of the faith that instilled faith into Moses that he, he took with him and he carried with him all through his life. So Hebrews eleven twenty three through 26, 
uh, we are told this, by faith, Moses, after he was born, was hidden by his parents. So really, that's recognizing the faith of Moses' parents in what they did. He was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw that the child was beautiful. There's that word again, and again, it refers back to something special, something significant, something distinct. They saw that he was beautiful, and they didn't fear the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, even though that's what he was legally and by rights, and chose instead to suffer with the people of God, his own fellow people, his Israelites that were enslaved and suffering under uh, the iron fist of Pharaoh. He, He chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin which he definitely would have had uh, easy, pretty much expected access to, but he rejected that. For he considered reproach for the sake of Christ to be greater wealth, more important, more valuable, than the treasures of Egypt, which were at his disposal, since he was looking ahead to the reward." Where would he have gotten such a character from? Where would he have had such values? Certainly it would not have come from Pharaoh's daughter or from Pharaoh or any of of Moses' Egyptian teachers and mentors. No, it, it came from his godly Israelite parents. And just really quickly, I have to focus in on this, on the phrase reproach for the sake of Christ, that it says uh, Moses considered you know, the, the reproach for the sake of Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Um, what that really is referring to is a similar kind of willingness um, to receive reproach or suffering as seen in Jesus. I mean, Moses obviously didn't know who Jesus was, uh, but what this is saying is that Moses chose self-denial and put himself on the same level of his people, uh, even though his position was higher. And that's the same kind of mindset that Christ obviously would have. So Moses was a kind of foreshadowing of the Messiah. And even without knowing who Jesus was, that was something that honored him. That's really what that's pointing to. Uh, And again, I see all of this pointing back to Moses' parents, and specifically Jochebed, um, because she would have had the most hands-on consistency with with training Moses and, and raising him. I mean, that's just how that was done. So huge testimony to her faithfulness, to the fact that she understood the best gift she could possibly give Moses was to give him to God. And if she wanted to see God at work in and through his life, she had to surrender him to God first. And God obviously honored that. God obviously was with Moses, and he, he grew Moses, and, and he led Moses to himself, and he revealed himself to Moses. We know that. And he used Moses to deliver his people and to be one of the greatest leaders that the nation of Israel would ever have. And he certainly was a picture or a type of the Messiah, all because of faithful, godly parenting, and specifically because of a faithful, godly, giving mother. So moms, I just want to encourage you, don't ever shortchange or underestimate your impact with your children. 
don't ever think that that what you say and do and show them isn't really going to matter. Don't ever um, question whether or not you're making a difference in their life just by, by being faithful to point them to God. That's the biggest, best thing that you could do for them, and that's the best thing they need. Um, so what if, if you're not able to give them all the things that you might want to give them or that they might want you to give them? Um, so what if they don't have the best education possible? So what if they don't have the, the things around them that other kids do? If you, as a godly mom, are giving them the truth of God and his word and you're pointing them to that and you're showing them the importance of, of a strong Christ-like character and you're praying with them and you're praying for them and you're guiding them in the instruction, the admonition of the Lord and all that he has called you to do, then you're winning and you are a hero and it will never be pointless. It will, it will never return void. God promised that that any time his word is sent out or people are pointed to his word, it will always accomplish his purpose. It won't return void. You are making a difference. Keep up with that. Keep going. Keep doing it. I know it's tiring. I know it's discouraging. I know in many ways it's a thankless job, but keep on keeping on because God is honoring what you're doing. He's using what you're doing to instill in your children something that I promise they will hold on to and carry with them. And even if they don't hold on to it all the time, even if they go through a time of life where they step away from what you've instilled in them and, and that anchor that you've, you've given them, God promises in his word that he is faithful and that he will bless your faithfulness and that even that won't be the end of the story for your children. Even if they happen to wander away a little or for a little while, or maybe even for a long time, that God is still going to use what you did uh, by pointing them to him, by, by giving them to him. Proverbs 22.6 tells us this, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's certainly what was true for Moses. I mean, at best, Jochebed had a motherly influence on him for six years directly. And then she sent him back to Pharaoh's daughter, and that became his mother. But we, we see from Scripture, and we see from Moses' life, that, that those early years of molding and shaping and nurturing and loving Moses in, in a godly manner, it stayed with him. And God used that in great ways all through the rest of Moses' life. That's certainly my story, too, with my mom, and I'm just so thankful for the mom that God gave me and, and the way she was with me and, and what she was to me. Um, I did go through a period of rebellion in my teenage years, and, and I know that in many ways I broke my mother's heart, but she stayed faithful, and she, she trusted the promise of Proverbs 22.6 that I just read. And not to any credit on my own, to all praise to God and his grace and not letting me go and not giving up on me, but also credit and, and praise to my godly mom who didn't give up on me, but who early on and all through my life, as I said at the beginning, who kept giving me to God. Um, that was the best gift I could have ever received, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, I just want to end by challenging everyone that's watching this video. Um, guys, children, dads, everybody, 
um, reach out to the women in your life, the mothers in your life, your own mother, if you're blessed to still have her in your life, your grandmother, your wives, dads, husbands, reach out to them today. Thank them for being the mom that they are. Thank them. Uh, If you still have your mom in your life, I know there's still social distancing that needs to be observed, but maybe go out and stand at her porch or, or give her a call or do a FaceTime or something and just say, Mom, thank you for being the godly mom you were and giving me to God. That's the best gift you could have ever given me. Thank you. I mean, be specific with that. Uh, if your mom is like my mom and she's in the presence of God, then thank God today for the mom you had um, and, and just really let that be something that your heart is, is full of today, a, a gratitude and a thanks and a praise for the godly mothers that, that he gave us. Let me pray for us uh, all, and, and I'm specifically going to pray for the moms that are watching this today. Father, thank you for the gift of mothers. Uh, there, there is just about no greater gift in this life than, than the moms that you've given us, and especially those of us who have been blessed with godly mothers. What a gift that is. Thank you personally for my mom and the fact that she was a giving woman all through her life. She didn't just give me to God, she constantly gave everything in her life to you. And uh, I just praise you for that. I praise you for that example. Uh, I pray for every mom that's watching this video, every mom that's part of our church. I pray your special blessing on them today. Uh, May it be a special day for them. May it be uh, a day of joy for them, especially because of the difference that this day is with the circumstances we find ourselves in. Um, Please just honor them and help us to be a source of joy for them and help us to honor our moms uh, as children, uh, as, as husbands to the moms that are in our lives and the mother of our children. Um, help us to honor them, not just today, but every day going forward. They do so much for us. And Father, encourage our moms. Encourage every mom that's, that's out there to keep on doing what they're doing, to be faithful in the little things, knowing that it's those little things that you work mightily in and through. Thank you so much for all that you've given us, and uh, I just pray that uh, this day will be a truly special day. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless, church.